This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. As always, you can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel, better known as Showtime Cappers on Twitter. You can get him on Twitter at Showtime Cappers. And we're here to take you through some of the weekday action going on in the Major League Baseball playoffs and the National Football League. Week 7 opens on Thursday night in the Mile High City with the Denver Broncos hosting the Kansas City Chiefs in what all of a sudden is a pretty intriguing AFC West matchup. Uh, and there is also some weekday college football that we'll discuss as well. But we're really going to uh, talk mostly MLB playoffs and preview the Thursday night football game. Uh, a lot to get to, as always, in October. Uh, probably won't talk a ton of NHL and NBA on this episode, but again, that is why we added this Tuesday morning episode, because there is plenty of sports options to gamble on, and that means there's plenty to talk about, and I'm happy to do it with you, Matt. How are we doing? Greg, good to be back as always. You know, like you said, I love the Tuesday edition that we're doing here. I can't wait till NBA starts up and NHL really gets underway, and we're and we're really going with uh, the weekly with the weekly picks. But I mean, hey, what a what a weekend we had in the NFL, right? I mean, Chiefs losing again, Cowboys losing again, Rams losing again. Those three teams a combined 0 for eight in six games. After all starting the season undefeated, I mean, what do you what do you make of that, Greg? Before we get into the MLB, what do you make of those teams? Are are the Cowboys, Rams, and Chiefs all going to make the playoffs? Miss the playoffs? What do you think? That's an interesting question. I'm not the, the one of the three that surprises me the least is the Rams. I was not high on them coming into the year. I agree. I, I agree. We neither of us were. Right, and, and you know, I, I took them under ten and a half wins. Certainly feeling really good about that so far. Uh, the one that I am in between on and can go either way on would be Dallas, uh, given that you look at the NFC East. And NFC's other, tough, and, man. I'm sorry. NFC's tough this year. It is, uh, but you look at their division, and other than Philly, there's probably not going to be much resistance uh, coming the Cowboys' way. So you know, they're coming back home against the Eagles. We'll see how serious this Amari Cooper injury is because that could change things. Um, and then Kansas City, I ultimately still think is going to be okay. Uh, concerned about their run defense for sure. We'll get into that a little more later. The bigger question that I'll counter with you is, 
who is the second best team in the AFC behind New England? I mean, do you do you just go the other way off that result at Arrowhead and say it's the Houston Texans? Um, yeah, I'm going to say the next best team in the AFC, Greg, is is the NFC. Um, there's no next best team. It's the <laughs> Patriots and everyone else. I think the Patriots will march to another Super Bowl this year. I mean, they obviously were my Super Bowl pick to start the year. In I a think much they march to another Super Bowl. Worth noting. But hey, yeah, I mean, but hey, I mean, I'm not going to count the Chiefs just because they lost two games. Obviously, you know, Andy Reid's a great coach. They have a great team around them. They're going to make some adjustments. We saw what Tyree Kill can do now that he's back. So that offense is still lethal. Um, I mean, they look, they got 10 weeks to tighten up the defense. Let's see what they can do. The Texans, on the other hand, very intriguing. They always seem to be a sneaky team, right? You know, so they beat this Chiefs team on the road. Um, but then they lose at home to a Carolina Panthers team starting a backup quarterback in Kyle Allen. Now, I know since Kyle Allen has become the starter, the Panthers are good, but, you know, what are the Texans really? But other than that Panthers um, game, you know, we've seen the Texans play some good games. They did struggle slightly at home against the Jags, but I, if I do had a pick, I would say Texans and Chiefs right behind. And, I mean, let's not forget about the Colts, right, Greg? I mean, the Colts are still there. They're off a bye week, so easy to forget about them. But they're right there, and, you know, Still 10 weeks left this season. Let's see if those Browns can turn it around. The AFC will be interesting, but I think the Patriots obviously ultimately march to the playoffs. Right, we're going to get back to, we're going to get back to the National Football League, particularly the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit later on in this episode of Full Slate when we preview their ball game on Thursday night in Denver against the Broncos. But let's go to the Diamond and talk a little baseball as we have a pair of playoff games today. Game three in the American League Championship Series between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. Game four in our nation's capital between the Washington Nationals hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. Matt, let's start with the first game on the schedule, and that's the American League game at 3 o'clock Eastern time. The Houston Astros will uh, pay a visit to the New York Yankees for game three in the American League Championship Series. And, of course, Houston, even this series on Sunday night with some heroics from Carlos Correa. In <laughs> what an ending that was, Greg, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. An outstanding result for Houston. And uh, when we look ahead now, you, you we're going to see a, a clash of titans on the mound, really. Greg, I need we, to ask you a question. Are we watching the World Series this week? I, I'm not going to go that far. I, I think that Washington's okay. pitching is legit, and uh, they've shown it in the postseason. So I'm not going to go that far. But it certainly feels like these are the best two teams in baseball. But I think the baseball playoffs, maybe unlike the NBA playoffs, it's a little harder just to say in baseball, well, they have the best roster, they're going to win. So I, I, why, you think differently? No, no, I, I was just wondering. I mean, yeah, I think the Nationals definitely stand a shot, but ultimately, I mean, I, I do think the World Series winner uh, comes from the winner of the AL. Well, right, I, I would certainly agree with that. So let's get right into it then. Game three, as I said, a, a bit of a clash of titans in terms of the pitching matchup today. You're going to at least see the most talented pitcher for the New York Yankees, Luis Severino, who uh, weathered, his, weathered the storm early on in his first postseason start in Minnesota against the Twins and then started to settle in. He's on the mound for the Bombers tonight. Uh, the pinstripes are a uh, considerable favorite today, or I'm sorry, considerable underdog today against Garrett Cole, who obviously has been money, probably the best pitcher in baseball uh, this year. Uh, right now seeing Houston as a minus 161 favorite on the money line, uh, total of seven and a half in this game. Matt, I'll lead this off by saying uh, I'll just come right up and say the Yankees are the only side I can play here because I think in the first two games, 
Uh, we saw, especially in game two, even though the Yankees lost it, I think Aaron Boone has been getting the better of A.J. Hinch here, and that's an interesting angle when it comes to handicapping the rest of this series. Aaron Boone took James Paxton out in game two after just two and a third innings, and of course it was a low-scoring game. That game was 2-2 after the regulation nine, and Carlos Correa's walk-off won it for Houston 3-2. So Boone used all of those relievers, and I think he's smart in doing that because we know that the strength for Houston is its starting pitching, and the strength for the Yankees is their bullpen. So you, I think he was smart in saying that I'm going to get my, I'm going to use all my players, I'm going to use the bullpen, which I've relied on all season, and I'm going to find myself in an extra inning ball game. And, and that's why, looking ahead to game three, the Yankees are the only side I can look to here because I think there's a better likelihood that your starting pitcher for the Yankees gives them more innings, which then just gives Boone even more flexibility that he can do with his bullpen. And, and, and then you consider the price. You look at the Astros as a minus 161 favorite right now. I, I think the run line even is in, in is worth considering with the Yankees as well. You only have to lay a dollar twenty to get New York at plus one, plus one and a half. First game of the ALCS at Yankee Stadium, which is obviously a tough place to play in October, and the Minnesota Twins learned the hard way a week and a half ago. New York is the only way I can look to as far as the side here. Uh, not an official play yet, uh, but I, I probably, whether it's the money line or the run line, will take a piece of the Yankees' side today. Craig, I love you, man, but I can't side with you here. Not only can I not side with you, I'm on the Astros, on the road, and I'm paying the minus 150, minus 155 price you're seeing here. Greg, Garrett Cole is just on another level. I don't care who you are, who is he facing right, who is he facing right now, because he is just, he's just pitching the best pitcher in baseball, obviously. We, we've spoken on here about how Jack Flaherty has been for the past two months, but realistically, we, we, we all know it's not a secret in the league. Garrett Cole, a former number one overall pick, is really taking the league by storm this year. I mean, in, in, in his sixth year, in the sixth season, Garrett Cole on May 27th, Greg, he left the mound against the Chicago Cubs. He left that game, became five and five. Since then, do you know what his record is, Greg? Uh, I'm not one to really care about win loss records, so I don't know. That's fine. So since May 27th, when he's taken the bump for the Astros. They've only lost twice. So, when he's on the mound, not only is he dominating the other opposing team's lineup, those Astros hitters walk into the box. It's, it's just a different approach when, when you got a guy like Garrett Cole on the mound. Now, for the Astros, obviously, yes, he got the three aces, so they always have that. But, but how Garrett Cole's been pitching right now, I mean, in the postseason, 15.2 innings, one earned run total, 25 strikeouts. This man is just on another level, and for the batters, it takes a lot of stress off them. When they know that one run, one home run, one swing of the bat is all they need for their man on the mound to then shut out the other team, it's just a ton of pressure. Now, I know Severino has, has, been, has been pitching very well as well, but something that we see Severino do, he likes to get in jams. And although, you know, he often fights out of jams, right, this Astros lineup is really good, and if they can get him in a jam and they can make him pay early and they can give Garrett Cole an early lead in this game, Garrett Cole is not losing this game. So it's in my mind, it's all going to be about who gets out early in this game, right? If they can give Garrett Cole a, a nice even two-run lead and he's out there on the bump with a lead, 
taking a lot of pressure off. So, you know, in, in this game, I actually would be looking to play the Astros. I'm also going to be looking to play the under. Um, I, as we said, you know, Garrett Cole has been dominating the postseason. Severino has been pretty good, too, as well. I mean, both of these games went under. I, I don't see that changing, so I will be playing the under first half and the under full game. No, no side bet for the first half, but I would look to play Astros here at the minus 155. I think behind their ace, Garrett Cole, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see him being stopped. Well, I'll certainly agree with you on the under, and that's because there's only so many more baseball games to bet on, and I love watching playoff baseball. I may look to also get in on the under as well. You look I think we can game. agree, you know, also this postseason, we've dramatically seen, you know, a change from what we've been accustomed to all regular season. You know, I'm not going to say they changed the balls back to the unjuiced balls, but there are some murmurs going around yeah, the MLB. So, I mean, we've definitely seen some balls that in the regular season might have carried out of the stadium, and we thought they were going to be home runs off the bat that we've been accustomed to this year, and, you know, they've been a uh, warning track flyout. So, interesting note there. I'll definitely be playing the under first half full game, and I will uh, be looking to play the Astros just just for one unit, but I got to back Garrett Cole here. He's too hot. He's too hot here, and, and I'm backing him. Over 10 strikeouts in, in his last you know, 10 starts as well. Last thing for me on the Yankees uh, and why I'm interested in their side. Uh, I mentioned Severino, small sample, obviously, because he missed almost the full season. But he came back in three, in four starts, including a playoff start, 16 innings, eight, or I'm sorry, 16 innings, 10 hits, just two runs allowed, uh, a total of 21 strikeouts and eight walks. So that is another reason why I look more to the Yankees, because I think this is a greater, there's a greater chance here that the, uh, Yankees are able to get this game into the late innings close, which is why, again, undecided if I'll play the money line or the run line, but I think if they can neutralize Cole a little bit, and they certainly have the right pitcher on the mound to do that, then I certainly think if you get get into a toss-up in the seventh or eighth inning, I'd much rather have the plus price on the money line or catching a run and a half at close to standard juice. No, I I definitely agree there. We're we're on the same I agree there. We're on the same page, though. That's why, uh, personally for me, the under first half and full game is definitely a more competent play and a play that I'll probably be looking to uh, make a top play for two units as opposed to Astros for one unit because I do agree. I wouldn't be surprised if this was 0-0 after seven. Let's shift gears and go to the senior circuit now where after tonight, and I, I, I misspoke earlier, the uh, pregame festivities on national television get underway at 3 Eastern. It's a 4 o'clock Eastern first pitch in the American League Championship Series between Houston and New York. After that game at about 7.30, the uh, 8.05 first pitch. 8.05 first pitch, thank you. Uh, between the Washington Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals, game four in the National League Championship Series, and we may have our first ticket to the World Series punched as the Washington Nationals, in a very surprising fashion here, are up three games to none. I don't think anybody would have been shocked by any means to see Washington win this series, but to perhaps sweep it is a totally different conversation. But that's what happened. That's what may happen tonight after Washington wins game three on Monday night in the nation's capital. Uh, Patrick Corbin heads to the bump. For the Washington Nationals, he's opposed by St. Louis's Dakota Hudson. Uh, Matt, when we look at this game, I took the lead on the American League Championship Series game, which starts the schedule today. I'll let you go first here with the National League. Uh, are, are the Nationals headed to the World Series tonight? Yeah, Greg, we're seeing um, we're seeing the first ticket get punched to the World Series. 
as you said before, uh, Patrick Corbin, say what you want. I, I don't know this for sure, but I think he may have the most appearances in the playoffs uh, as any starting pitcher to date. Could that be true? He's, you know, he's come in, he started a game and then he's came in three different games for relief, uh, two against the Dodgers. That would probably, I'd have to think that's true. So, I mean, you know, maybe there's been a bullpen guy that's come in five times or whatnot, but as a true starter, Corbin, you know, starting one game and out of the bullpen three times, obviously we know he got shelled the one time uh, when he came against the Dodgers. But his other three outings were fantastic. Now, granted, one was only one batter, but, hey, he got the job done, right? So he's been pretty good. They're They're at home to punch their ticket to the World Series. Say what you want about the Nationals, but... They see maybe like a little bit of a team with, from destiny here, you know? I mean, winning the wild card game in the way that they did, coming back against the Dodgers and hitting the Grand Slam in the way that they did there. Oh, and the back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning. Too. And the back-to-back Perfect. home runs in the eighth inning off of arguably the best pitcher of our generation uh, over the past 20 years. I mean, you know, so it's kind of like a little storybook that they that they get to the, get to the World Series here. Now, like you said, I... Don't think anyone saw this coming in the fashion of four straight games, but hey, I, I, and I'm not going to say the Cardinals are giving up. I'm not saying they're not trying, but you drop two games at home. You come home. I mean, you, you then go on the road. You got a chance to steal game three and turn this series around. I mean, every game is important in the playoffs, but there, is there any more important game in any series across all sports than when you're down 2-0 and you're playing that third game? I mean, come on. The percentages of you coming back from down 3-0 versus 2-1 are tremendous, right? It's a great sure. difference. Forget all that. Three games, the Nationals have been the better team. All postseason, the Nationals have been one of the best teams. The, the Nationals' bats have, have been solid. Their pitching has been amazing. I expect Corbin at home to come to come out ready to play. This Nationals team ready to play, and they're gonna win. They're gonna win this game in another in another tight, low scoring game. But but they will win this game and they will punch their ticket to the World Series. You know, I, I I have to agree with you on this one. And you know, you mentioned a lot of the pro nationals arguments here, and 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 I don't really disagree with that approach. I just want to also bring up the starting picture today for the St. Louis Cardinals is Dakota Hudson, who had a very good season, and and he's somebody that uh, probably has a very bright future at the age of twenty five. Uh, but you think about this spot, and I, I, I don't know, it doesn't quite align that well for me when you got a rookie in Dakota Hudson trying to win an elimination game on the road in D.C., and as you mentioned, destiny, I think everybody in D.C. Uh, is, everybody's kind of believing again, you know, or, or maybe not again for the first time, perhaps, because is their teams, not just the Nationals, have just put them through so much anguish, and I suppose the Nationals now are giving them a nice reprieve from the dysfunction that's happening with their football team with the Redskins. But um, so you consider that, right? And you consider just how tough this is going to be for Dakota Hudson with a ticket to the World Series, you know, to to potentially be punched in, in D.C., I thought the Cardinals, if they were going to get back in the series, I mean, as you said, it just everybody knows the difference between 2-1 and 3-0 is seismic. But I also think mentally that that was a, an important factor as well. Because now I, I have to think, and Matt, you mentioned it, the Cardinals really haven't been hitting at all. 
And I have to think that there, there might be a little sense of, uh, you know, of deflation and they might be a little, feeling a little defeated already before this game even starts. And, and yeah, I, I agree there. That's, that's, that's a good also point. not a good spot for a young pitcher who, again, has been good this season. Uh, but, you know, he didn't get out of the fifth inning in his first playoff start against Atlanta and that was at home. He gave up four runs, albeit only one of them earned. They allow a home run against the Braves as well in that playoff start. And now he's going to go on the road and try and save their season or, or, or at least get them to a game five. It doesn't really add up for me. Washington's the only way I can look to as far as the side. And as I mentioned, I think as far as the total is concerned, I would also again look under because it just feels like the bats kind of peaked too early for St. Louis in that 10 run first inning against Atlanta. And here we are now. Uh, with them looking likely, I think, to be swept out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, you hit the nail right in the head. I, I don't, you know, you can come in like like the Astros we were talking about, and, and they can come in on the road. You know, it's just a huge, huge, different different situation when, you know, when they're coming in game three and game four, 1-1 one, one, or 2-1. There's just that life, there, that energy. Down 3-0, it's just, you know you're not numerically out, but, Everyone knows the statistics of being down 3-0 in the playoffs. It's just, it's just true. And, and, and not to mention what, okay, if they do win that game, who, you know, who are they seeing for game five? Are they seeing Max Scherzer? I, I mean, you know, so it doesn't get easier for, for the Cardinals. It, it's a tough task. I think Nashville's ended tonight, or ended, uh, ended, yeah, ended though. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it gets simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will simply ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple as well. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it's expensive, and there's so many carriers to choose from. So how do you know you're going to make the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation Works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon's fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time 
with the best rates available. And right now, Full Slate listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com and enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Let's go to college football as we're back on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Very quickly, uh, there is a college football game on Thursday night that I will have some interest in playing. Uh, it's the UCLA Bruins taking on the Stanford Cardinal in Palo Alto, a matchup of Pac-12 programs where I'm really not sure what direction either one of these teams is going as neither one of these teams looks to be uh, by no means is the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. But it is a nationally televised game, and as we know with gambling, all tickets cash the same. doesn't matter if you're betting on a winless team or an undefeated team. The, the money is just as green. So I am going to look at this game, though, uh, and, and I look at UCLA as an eight-point dog on the road, total of 54 in this one. And I'm going to look at UCLA plus the points as an official play for me for one unit against the Stanford Cardinal. And, and, and really, what I'm thinking here, it's not really a play on UCLA, because obviously we know that they're bad. They've only won one game this year. But it's a play against Stanford. And you think about Stanford. I think it's well documented. This, this is not the same Stanford Cardinal team that we're used to seeing, a Stanford team that's usually at the top of the top of the Pac-12 and giving itself a puncher's, puncher's chance to be in college football playoff discussions. This has not been what they are this year. They're a below-average team who is fighting to make a bowl game. Stanford comes in at 3-3 three and three on the year, and the reason I like this is it is, I think, a nice sell-high spot of the Cardinal. They, I mentioned they're 3-3. Three and three. Well, their most recent victory was at home outright as a 13.5-point underdog against the Washington Huskies. So anytime you see that kind of a result, you have to ask yourself, is this a sign of things to come, or was it a flash in the pan? And when it comes to this Stanford team, I just have to think that this was a flash in the pan. This is a Stanford team that nearly lost outright against the Oregon State Beavers, who are also a very lowly uh, team in the Pac-12. That game was on the road in Corvallis uh, at the end of September before their bye week. It's a Stanford team that got its rear end kicked by Central Florida 45-27, to and we've since seen Central Florida struggle after that game, so really think that loss said more about Stanford than Central Florida, and it's also a Stanford team that got blown out by Southern Cal 45-20, to and and Southern Cal, obviously, the seat only gets warmer for Clay Helton with every loss there. They put up a good fight against Notre Dame on Saturday, but they lost that game. So, Matt, I know that you're not looking to play this game, but that's my handicap. It's just a fate of Stanford more than anything else. I'm taking the points with UCLA. Give me the Bruins plus the eight. Greg, I, I love it. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. I don't have any official play in the game right now. As of now, I do lean towards the under 54, uh, but I'll reevaluate that uh, on Thursday when it's closer to game time. Let's move on, though, and preview the National Football League Week 7 in what is becoming a pretty intriguing game for different reasons, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the Denver Broncos as that kicks off Week 7. And as I said, uh, I, I think intriguing is the right word because I'll be honest, Matt, 
I am much more likely to be – I would be watching this game either way because it's a primetime NFL game, but I'm much more likely to really be invested in this game just as a fan. Forget the gambler in me. I, I'm just more interested in where this game is going now than, say, three weeks ago because now you have Kansas City off back-to-back losses at home against Indianapolis and Houston. Now they're going to Denver, who – Listen, Denver is still two and four, but it looks like they pumped a little bit of life into their season. They back to back wins. Back to back wins for Denver. Their defense looks to be playing really well. They, I know it was Tennessee whose offense sucks, but they shut out Tennessee on Sunday. Week before that, they go to LA and they win a road game in the division against the Chargers. And so here are the Broncos at two and four, and it's not insurmountable to think that they could pull off an out, upset outright in this game. They're only a three and a half point underdog, and you're seeing a a Chiefs team that maybe has more problems than we thought. Total of 49 in this game in the Mile High City. Uh, and, you know, I, when it comes to looking at how to bet this game, I, 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 I love home underdogs, and this certainly looks like a live one with Denver because you have a Denver team that we all know they don't want to rely on Joe Flacco. They want to try and put him in reasonable down and distances and have a good run game for him. Even when Joe Flacco was winning playoff games in Baltimore, he was never somebody that they really, the Ravens said, go win us this game. They were, Ravens were always a team that was able to run the ball and play defense. And it looks like Denver, even though they don't have Bradley Chubb the rest of the season, it looks like the last couple weeks, Denver's been able to do that. So you look at this matchup against Kansas City, and I say to myself, well, why can't they keep running the ball? Kansas City is third to last in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. And we've seen, we've seen Houston and Indianapolis really run the ball with a lot of success. And my gosh, the let's just take the Houston game. Carlos Hyde had 116 rushing yards. Carlos Hyde is a journeyman back who ran right through Kansas City. I think Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman are pretty good NFL backs. I think this is a tandem in Denver that's going to last for a while because they're both young. And so I think this is a perfect spot for Denver to chew up the clock, win possession, and cover the three and a half and have a chance to win outright. Matt, what do you think about this game? I mean, Greg, you you hit the nail right on the head here. The Kansas City Chiefs have allowed their opposing teams to have a 100-yard rusher in every single game this season, except for their first game against the Jaguars, where they only allowed... 66, 66 yards to uh, Leonard Fournette. And excuse me, I'm sorry. They allowed 99 yards to, to Josh Jacobs on only 12 carries, though. And for that being his second NFL game, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to call it a 100-yard game. So that's five out of six of their games. They've allowed a rusher to eclipse the 100-yard mark. And like you said, okay, I'm not going to say Carryon Johnson is not a good running back. I'm not going to say Mark Ingram is not a good running back. I'm not going to say Marlon Mack or Carlos Hyde are not good running backs. But we're not talking the Alvin Kamaras, the Zeeks, the Saquon Barkers. Right. We're not, we're not talking to Christian McCaffrey. We're not talking the elite backs in the, in the NFL. We are talking good to average to above okay. average exactly. NFL backs in, in, in this league. And the Kansas City Chiefs have absolutely no answer for them, right? This is the toughest stretch of Patrick Mahomes' young career, losing back to back times for the first time since Andy Reid's first season in Kansas City for the first time for Patrick Mahomes. And let me tell you, Greg, these are two teams going in two different directions. Exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right out there and say it. I don't think – now, uh, am, I, am I on drugs here saying that Denver Broncos 
are going to win the division and, and get to the playoffs, and this is another Joe Flacco Super Bowl. Come on, no, that's not what I'm saying. But, but Matt, like, if they win this game, they're only one back at Kansas City, which says a lot about where these teams are going, like you said. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to ultimately buy that, even though I am buying the Denver in this game. I do buy that the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the star-studded talent, the coaching staff of Andy Reid, I do think they turn it around. But, I mean, like you said, look, I mean, the Broncos would only be one game back uh, of the Chiefs, and the Raiders would only be one game back. So, and, and having the tiebreak, I mean, look, I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to end up winning the division. And I do think, like I said, the Chiefs will turn around. However, I think we see the third loss in a row for the Kansas City Chiefs. And let me tell no, you why. But I was going to say, though, just to jump in, you just mentioned Patrick Mahomes uh, and, and this spot for him. I'm very curious to see how he responds in the middle parts of this season because didn't it just feel like everything was too easy for him last year? And and a lot of that is a credit to him, right? Like, he he, he is that talented and nobody's going to question his arsenal. And, and yes, he – has been he's only had Tyreek Hill back now for the one game against Houston which they still lost at home anyway um but I think you're taking a little too far here Greg because I think it's pretty obvious that Patrick Mahomes isn't the issue they've scored 24 more points in every game my point is like how did how does he respond right like because against Houston that was a by chief standards a lower scoring game and they lost so and and, Houston Yes. I mean, 50, 55 points total, 24. I mean, yeah, 24 is not a lot. But it's really I tough to win. Standard, in the, so I'm talking yeah, about the 24 Chief, that they put up. It's tough to win in the league when your defense is allowing 30 points. And I, I, I honestly, I'm the kind of person, you know, I, I think that there is sometimes too much pressure on the quarterbacks in this NFL because, you know, as great as Patrick Mahomes can he be, you can't expect him to put up 35 points every game. Your defense should not be allowing 31 points at home after you just lost. That's inexcusable. So, yes, the onus falls on Patrick Mahomes, but I think that's more of a coaching and a defensive issue. Really, it is for the Chiefs to allow a 100-yard rusher. I mean, the, I mean, the time of possession as well, you know, he, the offense is not on here. The, 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 the script is out on how to beat the Chiefs, right? I mean... Greg, the Texans had the ball for 40 minutes out of 60. That's 66% of of the game. I mean, it is out. The blueprint is out. You run the ball. You beat their defensive line with your offensive line. And the Texans and the Colts in back-to-back weeks have done it. And I don't think there's any reason why in the high altitude on a short week, Kansas City Chiefs has some injuries. Denver off two straight wins. Denver is not only going to come home and cover this small three-and-a-half they're going to beat the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are going to lose their third consecutive game, and we're going to be start talking about, are the Chiefs for real? Are they getting back to the playoffs? Ultimately, like I said, I expect them to fix their problems, but I think this stretch continues. I think they lose a third game at home, and then we really see what they're made of when they come at home Sunday night, the following week, with a duel against Mr. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and that's when we really see what this Chiefs team is all about. Backs against the wall, 4-0, and now they're 4-3. and Because I'm telling you, Greg, they will lose this game. And I will be playing the Denver Broncos with, with, with a nice with nice size, probably about two units on the spread, two units on the money line, something like that. Because I really do think Denver gets it done here. Oh, no, I totally agree with you on the spot for Denver. Run first team that should be able to take advantage of the poorest Kansas City run defense. Um, and, and, you know, as I said, that Kansas City offense, 24 points last week. 
13 points the week before that. And can they, they haven't shown that they can win the, the games in the, in the twenties or the high teens. So, um, you know, that's the kind of game that Denver kind of would want to play here. So that also makes me like the Denver Broncos because I think that they're going to be able to dominate possession, keep the game low scoring with longer drives, which is how the Broncos win, not how the Chiefs win. I'll take it a step further, too, on Kansas City moving forward. Not just is there that interesting game against Green Bay, Matt, uh, in uh, uh, less than two weeks now on at the end of October, uh, but how about week nine? They welcome in the Minnesota Vikings, who – I was at that game uh, against in Minneapolis against the Eagles on Sunday. All of a sudden, Minnesota looks to have fixed a lot of things. They they got their passing game going. Well, let's not overreact to one game, but you, all you got to well, mention, Greg. Was, no, not, no all you, I agree with you with the Vikings, but all you got to mention is two words in my mind, and that is Dalvin Cook. If these guys, Carlos Hyde is running for 112 yards or 116 yards, excuse me, for the on the against Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Dalvin Cook is going to go for 200, right? I mean, come well, on. Right. It, 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 but it's not one game that I think for Minnesota because they they threw the ball really well against uh, the the Giants. So I do think that they Minnesota offensively is turning a little bit of a corner here. Uh, which again, just in so you're buying Captain Kirk, huh? Uh, <laughs> that and that's right where I stop because okay. I, I do I do have to like slow my roll a little bit there. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is I just always felt that Minnesota had enough pieces around Cousins, where as long as he didn't woefully screw up, like we've seen him do against the Chicago Bears a couple times, then I thought that Minnesota is going to be a team that wins double-digit games and wins the NFC North. And and maybe whether that happens or not, I just think that like the last couple weeks, Cousins just can't shoot himself in the foot. You're not always going to see him play that well. But all I'm saying is to bring it back to a Chiefs topic of discussion, those next two games against NFC North opponents, if we're right, and Denver wins this game, I mean, it, again, it just the the, uh, the the magnitude cannot get any bigger. So, yeah, I, just to wrap this up, one more point about this game. I think it's really important if the Chiefs want to, and if they're going to win this game, Greg. And I'm Andy Reid. I'm taking the ball to start this game, and I'm putting my offense out there. All obviously, right. give you the chance. All right, down. And, and I'm marching down the field, yeah. and I'm hanging a seven before the nine minute mark of the first quarter. There is nothing more important in this game to the Kansas City Chiefs than getting out to an early lead. Because all of a sudden, when you get out to an early lead, especially on the road against a team like Denver, like you said, we know what Denver wants to do. They want to play defense. They want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. Now, all of a sudden, it's 7-0. There's a a little more pressure, a little more urgency. All of a sudden, a 3-8-out happens. You know, Chiefs get the ball back. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at 14-0. Okay, well, now the game plan's out the window at 14-0 if the Chiefs can hang a 14. And the Denver can't rely on the run. They can't rely. You know, they need to have more urgency. And the flip side, just like I said, Denver, you want to win this game. You want a blueprint. You, you know, your first offensive drive, eight minutes long, punch it in. Even if you get a field goal, chew the clock. Don't let Patrick Mahomes get out there. Half of the Denver Broncos' best defense will be keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, and we'll see if they're able to do that because I expect them to be able to do just that. One last point on this game, Matt. Isn't this exactly why? Aren't games like this exactly why Denver went out and hired Vic Fangio away from the Chicago Bears? A defensive mind, and listen, we all know if you're in the AFC West, the best chance you have 
to compete with Kansas City is not to find the next Patrick Mahomes because those guys don't grow on trees. It's to do your best defensively to maintain, to contain them and just limit the X plays, the big plays. And who better to bring in than the architect of that Chicago Bears defense, which was masterful last year. So I think this game at home is exactly why you make a hire like a Vic Fangio uh, to try and keep it low scoring. So this is the last point that I wanted to touch on there. A great defensive-minded coach is what you need against Kansas City. That's the only way you stand a chance. And certainly we saw in the AFC Championship, we know Bill Belichick's expertise defensively. While that game certainly last year got high scoring at the end for the better part of three quarters, he did a great job against Patrick Mahomes. So you need a great defensive mind to really throw Mahomes off his game a little bit. And I think Fangio might be that. So just something else I wanted to throw in there. Yeah, no, this is going to be a good one. I'm letting you know right now, Greg, you can book it. Denver's going to not only cover the spread, they're going to win outright. And and there is going to be a lot of talk of what's going on in Kansas City when they come home uh, week the following week, uh, week eight, to face the uh, Green Bay Packers. Something Call like it a consensus play. I like Denver on the spread and with the money line as well to take a little bit more of a flyer. Matt, always a pleasure. We'll do it again over the weekend. Yes, sir. All righty. Thank you all of our listeners. Of course, want to thank our sponsors as well. Please, we hope you get in on our plays and in doing so, play responsibly. Everybody, enjoy your week. We'll talk to you again on Friday morning right here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.